Hi, you're listening to Science Queries, a podcast where we talk about anything and everything to do with science with an LGBT plus focus. My name's Kiara and I'm here with my friends and co-hosts Khan and Sonia. Join us this week as we talk about myths, specifically the lunar effect. The full moon is said to have mystical powers, the cause of a range of unusual behaviours, from issues with sleep to aggression to craziness. I remember during primary school, my teachers would attribute any erratic behaviour from the kids as, oh, there must be a full moon tonight. The (laughs) lunar effect is this idea. So for you guys, what do you think, like, the moon or moonlight symbolises to you? I've, like, um heard quite a few you know like when people believe in like astrology yeah and like mercury and retrograde yeah that, that, that kind of sort of planetary like, movements <laughs> yeah i feel like that's like what my view on it is it's kind of like this outward like outworldly concept yeah that people kind of latch on to explain um behaviors that might not be within the norm or within like what you would see every day yeah and i think people in ancient times would have worshipped the moon or like even in present day, maybe worshiping um, gods or goddesses that are represented by the moon. So it mm. would make sense for them to associate the moon with stuff that happens. So it's like religion in a sense. Yeah, and like you have the lunar calendar. You know, um, oh yeah. In some cultures or religions, they go by the lunar calendar, and like the full moon day, it's like the fifteenth or the thirtieth of mm. the calendar. Yeah, it's like it's a significant. The yeah. moon is a significant part of some cultures. Yeah. Yeah. Like in some places, like um, like back where my parents are from, like you'll get a day off work or school uh-huh. or whatever if yeah. um, there's a full moon. Yeah. And there's also some like werewolves. <laughs> the full yeah. Moon, yeah. The werewolves come yeah. out. Like, so, yeah. The moon is just such a, um, a figure that people like to associate with mythology and mm. that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. So for you guys, so you know how so people will mostly um, relate the idea of um, like the moon as the time when you're most crazy or whatever like that. <laughs> for you guys, what do you think like how your own, when does your own craziness and erratic behaviors come out? Do you think it has any sort of like impact like on the time of day? Honestly, I don't think, I don't even notice the full moon. Not like not going to lie, I just don't notice so then I don't think that I mean like if my behavior does change I wouldn't have noticed yeah. you know and I guess then if I haven't noticed then it, there isn't enough of a pattern for me to notice mm. yeah it yeah. unless the full moon's like really prominent then I don't like really yeah. notice it I don't think it really has an effect on me either I just um like ooh, pretty there's a full moon tonight. yeah but it's like it has nothing to do with the way that I feel or anything yeah mm. I mean, I guess, like, more light at night might be... But, like, do you think there are times, like, for example, that if you feel more, like... For example, like, you know how um, there's, like, the afternoon slump where Mm. people feel more lazy, like, from, like, one to three and stuff like that. So, for you guys, do you have any, like, specific behaviours for yourself like that? No, I mean, no, not for myself. But you know how people, like, oh, Mercury's in retrograde... uh, What's the word? Yeah, retrograde. Retrograde. Um, Mercury's in retrograde, so... Like, so, like, they're acting weird. Yeah. Or, something. or like, they, they blame. Like everyone's just like, oh, Mercury's in retrograde. Everything <laughs> is going to suck. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'm, like, disorganized and, like, I miss this thing or, like, this happens and, mm. like, that must be the reason why. Mm. But, like, I don't notice any of that, really, So in my personal life. Yeah. 
So before we go into like the history of it, how do you think myths like these start? Like what is your guesses about like how they would occur? I mean, I kind of mentioned before, they're probably rooted in some sort of ancient religion or yeah, something that they associate the way that life goes in accordance to the moon because Mm -hmm. they have been worshipping the moon for however many centuries and that sort of thing. Mm. I think it's also people seeking to understand the world around them and understand their feelings and also making correlations between certain events and then, like, themselves. And then, like, I guess if enough people kind of report that, then they kind of take it as maybe a fact. Mm. But I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and then confirmation bias also has a hand in it, being yeah. like, if, like, did they see the full moon and then start acting weird or did they act weird and then see the yeah. full moon? Like, yeah, and, and, then, and like, they, like, correlate yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, and not only noticing the times, like, when it's a full moon and they're crazy instead of noticing the times when, when nothing happens. Yeah, and they're still crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that where, like, lunatic came from? Yeah, so the word lunatic was just from this Latin word meaning of the moon or oh. moonstruck. So there's always like already like connotations of like mm-hmm. uh, um, craziness comes like from the moon or whatever. Yeah, Sonia's kind of right in that it's like based in more um, like ancient cultures. So in ancient Greece and Rome, the philosophers believed that you know how um, so the moon affects the tides, and since the body is made up of a lot of water. They thought the water in the brain could also be affected by the moon and create like a similar tidal like motion that caused all these weird behaviors. So we don't really um, know why they came up with the idea for, um, I guess it makes sense of what you were saying. People are looking at all the bigger stuff like around them and they're trying to make sense of it in relation to like how they are affected by it because... Yeah, if you have, like, this bigger creation than you, it kind of seems weird that it's not there to be, like, involved in your life almost. Does that make sense? Like, mm, yeah. They, um, there was, like, a lot of cave art back in the ancient times about how um, animals and stuff can be, like, imbued with, like, a spirit that has, like, an influence in you. So I think there's a similar correlation, like, with the moon. Because it's nature, it's... I guess not a stretch for some people to believe that we are also affected by it because we are part of nature. Yeah, yeah. I also I get that as well because, like, um, you know how people, like how animals can behave differently around different time periods? People might kind of equate that with us because, like, Mm -hmm. in a very basic sense, we are animals yeah. <laughs> yeah you're an animal <laughs> thanks <laughs> and like smudge um, and we know how the sun affects us yeah like the circadian rhythm talking mm. about the afternoon slump as you mentioned before mm. yeah. so yeah it may not be a stretch to believe yeah. that the moon affects us in a similar sort of way Mm-mm. definitely like oh even how um you know how when people like certain um weather or whatever affects them like if you yeah. someone like might get really sad if they're like it's raining outside or something. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Me. <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, how um, different seasons affect mm. people differently, mm. like seasonal yeah. depression yeah. Mm. and like that whole concept. Mm. Mm. And then the thing of what Sonia was talking about earlier about how like in Europe during like the Middle Ages, there was a lot of talk about humans turning into werewolves or vampires during a full moon. Mm-hmm. Hippocrates, right? Like the yeah. known as, like, the father of modern medicine or whatever, um, saying that, like, 
one who is seized with terror, fright and madness during the night is being visited by the goddess of the moon. So there's always been some kind of correlation like in the past astrology and like science, right? So it makes sense that they try to like link it together to explain like the different parts of like human behavior in a way, Mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like, I don't know if it's because like, because you know how um, obviously night is when the like acceptable time of like, oh, during the day is when you do your stuff and then during the night is when like you're calming down and you're like going to sleep, right? And so people just become more reflective during night and so people think that Mm -hmm. there's some sort of, I don't know, what do you think about that? Like, because they think more right during the night because they're not doing stuff. Do you think stuff like those instead are like the reasons why people tend to go a bit more potentially <laughs> crazy towards night or something like that be- rather than anything to do with like, or um, I don't know, <laughs> whether it's a full moon or not? Yeah, I think, um, you know how like a full moon will give you more light time, mm. like instead of just like complete pitch darkness. I think people are more likely to be doing things when it's brighter outside oh, yeah. so compared to, to being in the daytime. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I I just think that like a full moon might not necessarily, like the moon might not necessarily be the reason for any weird behaviour or like unexplainable behaviour. I just feel like people will be out and doing more things yeah, if it's, it's a light. bright, yeah. yeah, if it's a bright night, mm-hmm. you know. And I also had a friend that used to say like, oh, um, like when the stars come out is when like all the secrets come out or whatever Mm -hmm. like I guess the idea I guess because as you're going towards night obviously you're more tired and you're more like willing to just like yeah completely let go or be like you know whatever so I feel like there's kind of it could be an element of like that in there yeah and like even in music and stuff like people um express these like astrological or like mythical or more romantic ideals of the nighttime Mm. Yeah, it just reminds me of Pierre Lunaire by Schoenberg. Mm. The, the first part is called Moon Drunk. And it's just like, yeah, it's like a, like if you listen to it, it's so weird. Like it's like kind of, it's kind of like this whole lunatic like delirious, idea. Like, kind yeah. of like, like, like what the moon, mm. m- like how the moon affects people. But like, it's a very like romanticized mm. thing, you know, like it's a, I don't know, like, cause in music, a lot of worldviews are romanticized as in like they're made perfect or like they're made to look perfect. Even though, like, many people seem to think that since the moon affects the ocean size, and it would make sense that, oh, maybe, like, but the lunar force is actually, like, a very weak tidal force. Yeah. Um, There was this astronomer, George O. Abel, who said that a mosquito would exert more gravitational pull on you, (laughs) on your arm, than the moon would, right? Uh (laughs) Going into, like, what people think about how the moon um, could affect you, so... With the menstrual cycle, right? Since the moon cycle and the menstrual cycle are both around 28 days long, there's always been like a, a long link of fertility associated with um, the moon. And also even I read stuff about like the symbolic idea of the fact, like the fullness of the moon, right? Compared to like another moon. Oh, it's like, you know, full, pregnant. You know what I mean? <laughs> like so ready to pop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like in... um. 
In one of the traditional practices in this culture, women who were menstruating would um, at night go spend time in something called a moon lodge where they would go and like reflect mm-hmm. and rest and re-energize, right? Because it was thought that, you know, those were like all associated together in like this um, yeah. perfectly lined up cycle, right? I wonder if that's why like the moon is seen to be like a female figure. Mm. Do you remember during HT when we were studying that Elliot? T.S. Eliot? Yes. Yeah, what was it? Rhapsody. Rhapsody on a windy night, I think. Yeah, I think it was Rhapsody. Yeah, and then or that was the idea of like the moon being like, oh, such a feminine imagery yeah, or something, yeah. I remember my teacher saying. Even though like studies like for the menstrual cycle, there's obviously studies that both confirm it and both don't, which is kind of, you know. Mm. Um, but there was a study in India that said that ovulation could be linked to the changing moon phases. There was one um, where women who conceived while ovulating during the full moon were more likely to have boys, whilst those conceiving prior to the full moon were most likely to have girls. Um, It said that the different shifts in light during the changing moon phases could have actually affected um, certain processes in the yeah, like certain processes in the body, right, Mm -hmm. which affected the gender of the offspring, which seems like to be a more probable, you know, cause than like like, just that's like. so that's kind of like the how the environment affects like your gene switching on and off, like yeah. epigenetics. Yeah, I think so. So there are other superstitions too, right? Like that surgery cannot occur under certain moon phases, otherwise excessive blood loss will occur. Uh-huh. It said, um, so like during the medieval times, right, physicians, as I was saying before, were heavily influenced by astrology and they thought that they could not operate during a full moon in something called... Medical astrology, that's what it's dubbed. Um, The human (laughs) blood flow was largely linked to the moon, right? So during the full moon phase, like that that was the critical time that would control bleeding. (laughs) And so thus you bleed more during a full moon. That makes so much sense. (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of baseless, but I guess that they were like really connected to astrology because of, I don't know, I guess. Like where would that even come from, you know? Well, in the thing of, like, how the sun does affect us, it makes sense that they would think that other parts of, like, could give us more energy or whatever, I guess. Yeah, and, yeah, like, the night, like, the stars and the moon have all been things that humanity has been fascinated with. Yeah, people are so I guess because it's at night and it's dark and it's unknown and also... It's, like, mysterious, you know? Going back to becoming more reflective in the nighttime, like looking up at the stars and realizing that you're just a small part of the universe mm, and that yeah. there's more out there has links in that as well. Mm, yeah. Mm. So there's also like links between, say, um, the moon and crime, right? So in 2007, um, during the UK, um, some officers said they were going to put out more police officers um, during the night um, to prevent against drinkers who they believed were affected by the lunar cycle right even in um in england during the 18th century you could get a lighter trial um lighter sentence for your murder trial if it happened on a full moon night (laughs) which is so funny because like i guess i could just like commit a crime on a full moon night and then just be like oops sorry like i'm a bit of a lunatic (laughs) yeah which is a bit of a yikes um In Colombia, right, around 2016, there was a study that found that criminal activity increased with the, like, illumination of the moon, right? So during a full moon when it's mm-hmm. brighter. Yeah. But it was just saying the idea that, like, oh, he- like, more people are moving around, right, when it's lighter at night. Mm. So obviously, like, there's more potential for victims to yeah, occur. Yeah, I mean, that's what my reasoning would be too. Mm. 
Or like that just criminals like it better when it's not as dark so that they can (laughs) move around. (laughs) There's also links between like mental health and the moon, right? Something interesting I read about um, was from this psychiatrist called Tom Weir. He was talking about rapid cycle bipolar disorder. So one of his patients came in. um, He had this entire log of his past like year or whatever, right? And every time he um, switched between uh, mania and depression and the um, psychiatrist was noticing a really weird, consistent timing and duration that he was like, okay, what's going on? And randomly he decided to look into uh, certain tidal cycles. Rather than being directly related to the moon, it was more the idea of like the sleep and how, you know, Sonia was talking earlier about like the circadian clock. Mm -hmm. He was saying how for people with bipolar disorder, it tends to run slower. They can kind of fall out of touch with... um, like the sun right and kind of get into this weird like battle between uh the gravitational pull from the moon and the sun yeah i don't know i don't know what i because definitely his research was very contentious right because people weren't sure if the person with bipolar disorder did have a circadian rhythm that was slower wouldn't that have everything to do with that and not that much to do with the sun and the moon because the circadian rhythm is slowed anyway yeah, I just feel like he was trying so hard to find a reason mm. where you don't, you didn't really need a reason, you know? Mm. Like, you could just, like, Occam's razor it. It's yeah. circadian rhythm. <laughs> yeah. Do you have, like, other external conditions, like, that um, in your environment that would affect um, how your normal, like, yeah, your routine? I mean, I like waking up to the sun, you know? I yeah. find that these days because we're going into spring – that the sun is rising earlier, that I'm also waking up earlier. But, like, because I used to like sleeping in, right? But now that, like, I started sleeping with my curtains open because I prefer to wake up to sun and not darkness. Because if I wake up to darkness, it just makes me feel gross and groggy. So now that I wake up to, like, sunlight, I wake up earlier, but I also feel more energized when I wake Mm. up, even if I've had, like, five hours of sleep, you know? Yeah. Like, during the day, it doesn't really, like, I don't really think about it much. But at night, I like to – I find that I'm more creative at night. Like, a lot more creative. Like, I used to do my compositions, like, in high school. Um, My compositions for music, I would always work on them at night, like, ungodly hours of the night, Mm. like, 3 (laughs) a.m. Yeah. Or, like, I I like to practice piano at night, which is really bad because my neighbours would probably hate (laughs) me for that. Um. But, yeah, during high school, I used to practice piano at, like, 11 p.m. Because I also feel a similar way in that, like, I feel like I'm more creative during the night time, which I'm not really <laughs> sure why. I guess, like... Yeah, neither. I guess, like, because it's, like, peaceful and, as Sonia said, you're, like, more reflective and I guess it and benefits... And you're not doing anything else. Yeah, mm. and, like, being reflective, I guess, benefits in the creative process. And there have not really been, like... um that much correlation between the full moon and sleep quality. Um, obviously, like, if there's more light, people are going to be, you know, hard, find it harder to go yeah. to sleep. But um, in 2013, some scientists in Switzerland showed that sleep structure is affected by lunar rhythms. They said that um, the full moon phase decreased deep sleep by 30% mm. and that it took time um, to fall asleep the time it took to fall, for people to fall asleep was increased by five minutes and total sleep was less than 20 minutes. And I guess that would, 
I could it could have some like correlation to do with like how you were saying um like oh when you get up and it's dark and like oh you yeah. don't really feel like so maybe like more that I kind guess of- like about the light mm, like yeah. amount of light you are exposed to because like you know like because light affects your circadian rhythm yeah because you know? like that's why people say don't look at screens before yeah. you go to bed and that sort of thing yeah mm-hmm. so I guess like that so you talking a bit earlier about uh how uh confirmation bias um you know, creates, like, a lot of myths. And I think that was the large part, because obviously we know that a lot of in, um, like, art and music and stuff, they very much show that the moon has some sort of weird, lucid mm-hmm. effect. Yeah. And I think from that, people tend to kind of... Speculate. Yeah, search for a reason. Like, in the same how I was even saying, like, in my primary school when kids act weird, like, the uh, person would just be like, oh, it's because of the full moon, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of, like, relating it to any single other reason. I guess, like, we're so, like, caught up on the idea of just explaining everything that happens to us. Because, like, I guess, like, you want to know, right? Mm. But then in some cases, like, can you really know? You can't really explain everything. I mean, because human behavior is something that's... It's something that's still continuously studied and we don't know for sure. Yeah, because <laughs> I guess humans are really complex. just erratic and yeah, complex yeah. in general. <laughs> and it's so much easier to blame a kid's bad behavior on the full moon than their parents or the way that they were raised. It's just yeah, so much true. easier to be like, it's because of the full moon. Yeah. <laughs> just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah. wow. yeah, a lot of the... Um, <laughs> evidence for the um relation between the like full moon and like erraticness is just anecdotal stories right Mm. and then when these stories keep getting passed on it creates some kind of like oh um like basis for it but people are really searching for those moments if that makes sense yeah and it like kind of because like it gets passed around like Mm. people take it as fact sometimes when it shouldn't be mm-hmm. yeah. like yeah. old wives tales and that sort of thing i think yeah and like um, superstition yeah mm-hmm. like yeah well like people believing in the moon's power to change our behaviors yeah. all falls under that sort of thing mm-hmm. so even though <laughs> the moon doesn't really affect um how we behave and how you act there are stuff that the moon does affect right and the most obvious we know is tides right which are the result of the gravi- gravitational tug from the moon and the sun that the Earth feels. So the way that um, the sun and moon and Earth are positioned and the way that they interact together is what results in either low or high or other categories of tide. And we also know that um, the idea of a lunar clock, right, is pretty important. So different circadian rhythms are easily thrown off by, like, any change of the clocks. So this is, like, pretty common in animals. So you have uh, animals that, like, their sleep patterns and sick are synchronized with their reproduction and like all this stuff, right? And this helps them to anticipate any like changes um in their environment, right? And they're mm-hmm. prepared for um all their different life experiences they have to go to. Yeah. So there's this like um like these crustaceans called sandhoppers, right? They have a sun compass in their brain and a moon compass oh. in their antenna. So they know that um, they stayed buried during the day, right, and can forage efficiently during the night at low tide. For stuff like if we didn't have a moon, those stuff like would really affect them, right, because they can't mm-hmm. yeah. tell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then um, this plant called the Mormon tea, which produces droplet- droplets of fluid under the moonlight that help um, stick its pollens to passing insects. So basically oh. what happens is um, 
when this happens, right, the moonlight creates a really nice, pretty <laughs> glittering display um, that will hopefully draw in all the insects to the plant, right? Yeah. I think even without um, mystical powers, the moon is pretty cool by itself. Mm. It um, embodies a certain um, energy as a piece in a larger jigsaw puzzle that can inspire you to think about like all the beautiful creations in the world, regardless of whether it affects your behavior or not. Okay, so I guess this week we're starting a new section. Yeah, this week we're starting a new section of the podcast that we're calling Research Roundup. And basically um, what we're aiming to do is to, I don't know, like find a really cool research paper that has, I don't know, it can have nothing to do with what we're talking about. We can have everything to do with what we're talking about, but we'll just like summarize it and just... It's kind of like book club, yeah, but it's like a book club for research papers because we're nerds like that. Uh, so mine, I was um, thinking about like the idea of imagination and how um, the way that it works in people, right? And so, well, the um, report I found actually was about um, like the difference between um, individuals that are like very imaginative and then those that kind of lack the ability to have um, visual imagery, oh. and it's a condition called aphantasia. So obviously uh, having being very uh, imaginative and like in our memory ties into like um, episodic memory, which is just how you remember the events that happen into your life. Um, future event prospection, which is just, you know, what you see for your future mm -hmm. and then like dreaming. So that's just like, you know, <laughs> literally like at night. <laughs> so the study I found was talking about how um, often like, you know, imagination is linked to the idea of mental illness and stuff like that right as you can see kind of in even stuff like Alice in Wonderland right where like her whole um I don't know really exaggerated imaginative way of viewing the world was met, seen as some kind of um deeper meaning for um like schizophrenia and other illnesses she could be um experiencing right mm -hmm. so basically um this study was comparing um the people that had aphantasia with um uh, other people that are very imaginative. So one of the things that they were um, looking at was whether uh, these people are more protected from trauma, right, because um, of their tendency to imagine less. And what they found actually is that um, they actually did not really have any relation and that they still remembered, um, either, even with less details, they still were able to experience like the same level of um, emotional distress in from past stressful situations, even though, of course, um, they had less um, sensory details that they were mm. able to, you know, describe. All right, so for my research roundup article, the name of the article that I found is pretty long, so <laughs> strap in. Um, the name of the article that I found was Composition and Functional Specialists of the Gut Microbiota of Frogs <laughs> Reflect Habitat Differences and Agricultural Activity. So this is an article from January 2018. Um, <laughs> let me just breathe for a second. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, from this article, it started out saying, the impact of agricultural pollution, habitat disturbance, and food source variability on amphibians is still something that's poorly understood. Which I found interesting, because, I don't know, I feel like amphibians are... A bit of a weird creature that would that people would be more interested in researching yeah so um basically it was saying that the habitat in the host or the internal habitat is 
primary in deciding what microorganisms get to live in the gut of a frog. And um, yeah, so yeah, in terms of... Yeah, so the gut becomes a reservoir of microbiota that come from the external habitat. So yeah, yeah. all the microorganisms that live in a frog's gut are from the outside, but what gets to stay there and live there is decided. Yeah, it's up to it's up to the like they didn't decide it, but like naturally, only some microorganisms will survive in there yeah. due mm. to the oh, internal so habitat, cool. habitat. Yeah. So these are so like the microbiota or the microbial environment in the frog's gut. Um, so basically, they decide they split it up into two factors. So endogenous factors being epithelial cells and digestive fluids, and exogenous factors being the habitat or the environment. So together, those factors shaped the gut micro microbial community. So um, the researchers wanted to study amphibians specifically because they're highly sensitive to the environment. And something, a phenomenon called vertical transmission is not as much of an issue with amphibians as with other animals. So vertical transmission is when bacteria from the mother is passed to the baby during birth. Mm -hmm. And since frogs hatch from eggs, it's not such a big deal. Mm -hmm. So this allows scientists to focus on the environment's effects without the, the confounding variable of the effects of the environment or the effects of vertical transmission. Yeah, yeah so um, I'll skip some of the details, but ultimately they found the environment does indeed affect gut microbial diversity. So they called this environment, diet, microbe, host interactions. <laughs> so it was in a chain. And... It was weird because they found that frogs that lived on the farmland had m a more diverse gut microbiota than forest frogs, which I thought it would be the other way yeah. around. But um, this was attributed to the farmland frogs' physiological, metabolic, and ecological responses to environmental disturbance. So like pesticides or invasive diseases, since oh, yes. the frogs on the farm had to deal with this sort of stuff that led to the Oh. microbiota being more diverse mm -hmm. and yeah in the end the paper said they couldn't confidently conclude that pesticides were the main cause for differences in microbiota but yeah i still found this paper pretty interesting to yeah. like to read yeah, yeah. that's really cool because like microbiota um microbiota can't say that way yeah it's <laughs> hard to say um gut microbiomes and stuff like even in humans mm -hmm. is so like widely varied yeah. depending mm. on your environment and whether you were born vaginally or like C-section and it's like so many things that go into it and it also links to your, like, your immune system and mm. it's just a wacky topic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so like that's really interesting like in frogs. I, mean, I like never thought of that. Yeah. yeah. And like the vertical transmission thing being why frogs were such a good specimen for research. I never thought of that too, how yeah. like something not being birthed <laughs> is... <laughs> Like better in terms of controlling the yeah, it's like a clean slate. Yeah, <laughs> oh, pretty interesting. <laughs> but yeah. So to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. We'd love to hear your input about anything we have discussed today via our social media platforms. 
You can find us at SciQueriesPod on Instagram and Twitter, SciQueries on Facebook, or even email us at SciQueriesPod at gmail.com to send us any comments, concerns, or suggestions. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next week on Science Queries.